When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. We sh- we sure are. We're back. In a big way. <laughs> In a like medium way. Yeah. I would say. I would too. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Not like in a bad way, but you just, you can't, you can't go big every time. Yeah. No. Because then big just becomes average. Yeah. And then how are you going to keep out bigging yourself, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, you, it's impossible. You need the medium times to go big when you do go big. You do. Mistakes. Ow. Little housekeeping up top. Episode seventy three, maybe our most cursed episode of the of the podcast <laughs> podcast yet. Yeah. Can't even say podcast while referencing that episode without stuttering. Um. You know, first with us losing my cords somewhere in Tennessee to, to not be able to record part of that podcast. Caroline Calloway didn't want that episode. That's the thing. I think this was big Caroline Calloway. She did not um, want us talking about her on the podcast. Trying to shut it down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then when we tried to get new cords, we happened upon a murder, murder scene. scene. Yeah. And when I edited it, I like saved it wrong. And so I had to go through and do all of those edits all over again without like knowing what the time marks were. Mm-hmm. So I had to listen to that full episode two full times <laughs> to do the edits for it. Um, and that, so that's just like another like random thing. And then um, when we uploaded it, as many of you are aware, um, it was like half of it was dead air because the file uploaded wrong. So if you wanted to listen to episode 73 and when you went to listen to it a week late because it was uploaded a week late, (laughs) you're like, hold on a second. Um, Half this episode is dead air. Go back and listen to it again. Um, We fixed it. So sorry about that. Sorry. (laughs) And um, if anything happens to us, Look into Caroline Galloway <laughs> because it really seems like she really, really did not want this episode to air. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we we went through a lot to get that episode up. And, um, you know, if you want the truth, uh, if you want real journalism, um, that is the episode for you. Yeah. Get into it. <laughs> get into it. Also, further housekeeping. Our live show is so soon is next week, May 26th. May 26th. Ticket link will be in the description for this episode. It's also in our bios yes. um, on our various social media accounts. Um, it is May 26th at Parkside Lounge. There will also there will also be tickets available at the door. Um, please come. Please come. We'd love to see you there. We would. Come hang out with us. Come hang out with us. Come laugh with us. Maybe come cry with us. Yeah. And maybe we will get murdered by Caroline Calloway as a family. <laughs> we'll be in her neighborhood. 
We will be in her neighborhood, famously. <laughs> so, Caroline Calloway, come to the show. Come to the show. Unarmed, uh, please. Unarmed. Um, yeah, so I think that's everything. Uh, listen to, you know, subscribe to and listen to our Patreon. Um, as always, there's some hot goss available mm-hmm. for our generous patrons. Yes. Patreon.com slash best mistakes pod. Um, write us your mistakes. Please. We would love some more listener mistakes to cringe at, to laugh at, to cry at. I mean, really more with than yeah. at with any of those things. Um, best mistakes pod at gmail.com. And I think that's like all the random housekeeping that we need to address up yeah, top. I do too. Um, yeah. And also we love you so much. <laughs> that's a f- another thing to go ahead and keep the house with. <laughs> but yeah um we're back at it again it's a beautiful rainy spring day here in ridgewood new york and um we're getting back into the swing of things into our uh recording in the studio routine happy to be here and um delivering you our uh, silly little podcast on only the finest of audio equipment <laughs> <laughs> in this pre-war apartment. This gorgeous, gorgeous pre-war apartment. <laughs> that now has a living room. That now has a living room. Uh, I can't wait to have people over. Yeah. Um, Nika now has now lives in a two-bedroom in New York. Yes. With a nice, beautiful, big li- living room mm-hmm. because their roommate moved out who yes. was famously living in what was kind of the living room. Yeah. And now it's um, just me and my sister, two Italian girls in the city, two Italian girls in the city, very sitcom premise (laughs) of you being sisters, like living in your like Ridgewood apartment soon to be hosting a lot of dinner parties. (laughs) I love it. I do too. Um, I also love the kind of like manic state that Elisa is in right now, like changing, changing everything up now that there's no roommate here. Yeah, no, I love it. (laughs) I've been quite depressed just watching her do it. (laughs) Barging in while we're recording. Like, do we still need a microwave? (laughs) (laughs) Should I get rid of the microwave? Probably. Right. Like, I just love like that. Like I, you know, I am that roommate too. Yeah. I'm always texting my roommate. Like. Yeah, it's, the, it's that Aries placement. <laughs> yeah. I was texting my roommate, like, do we need one more neon sign for the living room? And she's like, I couldn't care less. And I'm like, great, great, great. Just checking, just checking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely the roommate who's like, um, I don't care. Just Whatever along you want. for the ride. Yeah. And I'll, like, basically, yeah, the, there, there has to be at least one roommate that is constantly in a state of like home improvement projects. <laughs> yeah. And the other roommate um, gets like wind. Like the wind under their sails for a home improvement project like once every six months. Yeah. And it's always like a much more minor one, but like really brings life to the home. Yeah. <laughs> That's the two types of roommates in this world. Yeah. Um, I'm the first type. Yeah, I don't think the second type. And listen, my roommate is um when she when she wants to, she really adds a lot of pizzazz to the home. And otherwise, I like that she's just along for the ride. I'm the kind of person that I need to surround myself with people who want to be along for the ride. <laughs> it seems like no one wants to be along for the ride. <laughs> it's true, though. I'm like, I, I sometimes I'm like, ugh, like, will someone just like take charge around here? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's me that has to. And it also it would drive me crazy if anyone else did. So yeah. 
<laughs> I would probably get more irritated if other people took charge than I am sometimes at being the only one who takes charge. Yeah. <laughs> like that's just something that's true about myself that I've yeah. had to be comfortable with. Yeah. It's good to know. It is good to know. Um, so thanks for being along for the ride. Both, Anytime. <laughs> both for both in your sister's home. Your well, your home with your sister. Long for her ride in your home, rather. <laughs> And along for um, the various rides that I take us on in my car you while are we play Pretty Places by Ali and AJ. So welcome. Thank <laughs> you for bringing me. I wonder if ever there will come a day where you and I go on a road trip and don't immediately put on Pretty Places by Ali and AJ. Um, I hope not. I hope I don't <laughs> ever live to see that day. <laughs> not for me. Yeah. It doesn't leave a good taste in my mouth, the no. very thought of it. Yeah, I'm not here for that. I don't ever want to be here for that. <laughs> and if that happens, I won't be here. Yeah. I'm currently brushing my hair. With a fork. With a fork that Elisa just gave me. It's like a little mermaid antique three-pronged. Yeah, she gave it to she gave it to Nika specifically for the purpose of brushing her hair with. Yeah. Yeah. My trichotillomania. Yeah, your trichotillomania fork. Yeah. Is that what it is? Does Ariel just have trichotillomania? I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Ariel is um, a trans woman with trichotillomania. That's canon. It is canon. It's <laughs> the representation I need. Uh, well, um, I mean, I'm not trans, but. <laughs> but all the love to anyone who is. Yeah. <laughs> if that's your journey. That's your journey. I don't get it, but <laughs> I'll certainly hold space for it. Nika is. Um, a detransitioning detransitioning during but, this but, deep depressive episode but still an ally i'm gonna shave my head thought about it today i was like i'm Aww. not i'm not actually gonna shave my head um, i also thought about shaving my but head i was today. like it just would um it would be such a moment just to really shake up my life would be to shave my head but i won't because i love my hair so much and i've shaved my head before i know i know do you want to do a big, bold hair color? Um, I can't do any unnatural colors because of my oh, job. Oh, because of your job. Um, if anything, I'll just go back to platinum. And platinum is a good um, vibe for the summer. Yeah. Either that or just go back to brunette. But I really resist the idea of going back to brunette because I'm just like, I don't want to cast that spell and be that version. <laughs> this is so stupid and superstitious, but be that version of myself of who I was when I was really depressed and had like brown hair and bangs. Um, and I currently have bangs. I'm just like, I don't need to possibly go down that cosmic rabbit hole mm. of being me when I was like 23. I get that. Yeah. I mean, alternatively, <laughs> you could be casting the spell of like, this time with this hair, you're living this life. Yeah, for sure. You know, for sure. No, I mean, totally. I mean, that's kind of when I went back to platinum blonde, I had a similar thing where like I was like last time I was platinum blonde, I was like 19 in Burlington, Vermont with yeah. a revolving door of emotionally unavailable male suitors. Anyway, returning to a platinum blonde was me being like, this is like I'm I'm now this person with platinum blonde. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. I do know what you're saying. Yeah. I hear that. Also have some salacious updates on the Patreon, I guess. Yeah. About my um, hot new suitor. Yes. So if you want to hear about that, subscribe to the Patreon. Yeah. Get into it. Um, shall we segment then? Let's segment. Mistakes, keepsakes and hot takes. 
Okay. My mistake this week is just that I let um I let my feelings about a person in a situation kind of take over my um brain space for like multiple days longer than it really needed to. Um and I it's not a mistake in that I like blame myself for it or even like think that um I did any I'm doing anything wrong for that to be the case, but it's just more a mistake in that like this person doesn't this person and situation doesn't deserve any more of my like bandwidth or energy in my opinion. And um I'm just like frustrated with how hard it is to like shake the feeling that I have after every interaction and my keepsake related to that is just like how fucking MVP my friends have been through this whole thing. And I've been feeling very like loved and held and cared for um, by our friends. Well, in being um, upset and sort of like tested on one side of this coin the other side of the coin is like seeing um, how much the people that love me like show up for me and care about me while dealing with it. Mm. My hot take is that like the cultural obsession in the queer community with like being besties with no boundaries with your exes um, and like still being like up each other's asses and even like literally up each other's asses and like hooking up with your ex. Um, I mean, more power to you. If that's like really what floats your boat, go for it. But it is making all of the rest of our lives harder that that is the expectation (laughs) that like that it's like weird to want boundaries with your ex is sort of what, where we've been left in this, um, specific era of queerdom in my opinion um i'm just you know constantly looking around at our friends who are exes who are still just like constantly um you wouldn't be able to tell by their behavior that they are now exes Mm -hmm. and i'm like i guess i love that for you and i'm not telling you to not do it but i guess for those of you who that isn't what feels natural to you feel free to not do that because there's more like power in numbers <laughs> for those of us who lay down boundaries we can um stand strong in those boundaries together you know yeah that's my hot take because i'm kind of done feeling like i'm the weird one yeah no I-, I agree with you um your turn okay um my mistake my mistake is that i have been in a deep dark depressive episode rabbit hole and have just allowed it to get the better of me and instead of making like healthy normal or not normal but like healthy choices to not um let it get the better of me I've kind of been on like an intentional bender all week of spending as little time by myself or in my apartment as possible and just going out a lot um in between like working um so I haven't really rested at all um and yeah that's like never a good decision um because it just like it 
it always catches up with me regardless of how far I try to run away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm dealing with the consequences of that as I head into a new week. Um, my keepsake was watching the lunar eclipse last night. Um, I went to Unter High Tea and it was at a venue. It was at Bogart House, mm-hmm. which I've never been to until last night. But for anyone who's not been, there's uh, multiple uh, rooftops, like levels of rooftops that you can be on. So I was on one of them with some of our um, pretty close, you know, very close friends watching it happen. Um, I've never watched a lunar eclipse happen before. I've seen it when it's been a total eclipse, Mm -hmm. but I've never watched the process unfold. That was really cool and beautiful and nice and spiritual. And, and it's also a lunar eclipse in your moon sign. Yeah, in Scorpio. Okay, my hot take is a silly one, but my hot take is that you should just be able to do drugs in public at clubs and bars <laughs> and not have to worry about security like yelling at you or kicking you out. Um, specifically at clubs. Like, always at a club. I'm sorry. I just, like, don't really understand... Um, that at all and obviously i understand it because it's like they're illegal um it's also like they want you to do drugs there alcohol they want to do the drug that they're selling you yeah and but it's but like if you do the other drugs you're not going to do as much of the drug that they want to sell you that is my opinion it's at like, least. well then just sell me drugs and then <laughs> i'll buy drugs from you i mean i won't but my friends who buy drugs and then give me drugs will buy them from you um it's so stupid yeah, I just, it's, like, really dumb and annoying to have to, like, hide in, like, a dark corner of a club that I, like, go to all the time with my friends to do drugs. Like, we're on drugs. <laughs> just fuck off. It's, like, part of the experience of being at a party. Uh-huh. If you do drugs, if you imbibe. Um, yeah, that's my hot take. <laughs> Let us do drugs. <laughs> Let us do drugs in peace, out in the open. Out in the open. Like, it's so crazy. I should be able to do a key bump of coke or ketamine on, in fucking broad daylight <laughs> on a sidewalk without fear of reproach. If I have to walk by people drinking. Yeah. Like, what? Much more annoying thing to be under the influence of. Yeah. Like, IMO. if you can go to bottomless brunch, then I should be able to do bottomless <laughs> key <bumps>. nose drugs. <laughs> At my child's eighth grade gradu- graduation. graduation. Thank you very much. Like, what? I, I mean, I co-sign. Sometimes I, like, forget until, like, the people around me are being sneaky. I'm like, oh, yeah, we should be hiding this. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, I mean, same. <laughs> Fuck up of the week. Was it Cara Delevingne being just absolutely I mean, so annoying at the Billboard sure. Awards? Sure, Cara Delevingne being embarrassing and annoying and making me wish I were straight. Um, <laughs> definitely among them. I also think the Kendrick Lamar thing is an interesting thing to talk oh, about. Oh, yeah. Really quick before we talk about that, somebody said that um, Cara Delevingne is the binary version of Ezra Miller. Yeah, <laughs> yep. And that, well, and I saw a tweet that was like, can someone lock Kara and Ezra in like a cage together and just see who emerges? Yeah, Ezra. <laughs> It'd be Ezra, yeah. yeah well, that, Ezra, think, would, Ezra would kill Kara in, in like two seconds. I think that was partially the point of the tweet. Yeah. Was that okay. like this person would rather Ezra over Kara? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, speaking of the Kara thing, it's just very reminiscent of my own Mexico trip. Because Cara Delevingne oh, is yeah. also repeatedly in the background of photos and videos that's so in funny. multiple locations, both in Zipolite and in Mexico City, 
of my Mexico trip. That's hilarious. Like I, I could not escape her much like the people of the Billboard Awards <laughs> could not escape her. I love that. It's kind of just her general vibe and I almost respect it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's hard to even call that a fuck up because it doesn't seem like she considers it a fuck up. Yeah. She was having the time of her life. Yeah. And we're all just losers that weren't at the Billboard well, Awards. Magda Stallion are, definitely it, considers it a fuck up. Yeah. She cropped her out of, not or, like erased her out of a photo. Yeah. It's so also, funny. like, I, I don't know where it was, but there's like a really embarrassing video of Cara Delevingne and um, Azealia Banks. Did you see that video? I did not. Um, where Kara is like really over the top, like pretending to like bite and lick Azealia during like her performance. And Azealia is just like kind of politely ignoring her and like trying not to acknowledge that it's happening. Um, very cringy to watch. But anyway, the Kendrick Lamar situation, um, if you don't know, he released a song called like auntie diaries i think it's called okay have you listened no i haven't i've like been i've seen some of it on twitter but i haven't felt like giving it any really like time of day thought um okay well i i encourage you to listen to it just for the sake of for the sake of like um there are only so many mainstream songs about transness Mm -hmm. and i do find it interesting that this is a song that is about being the relative of trans people and like his experience as Mm -hmm. a cis person um with multiple relatives that are trans and like i am hesitant to give what my opinion on it is because i don't even really think that matters i would rather just kind of talk about what the opinions in general are of this song Mm -hmm. and there are some people who are like it's really amazing that in hip-hop there's this person talking about transness in a positive way because like hip-hop is historically very homophobic and transphobic Mm -hmm. And, um, like we should be excited that, um, he's celebrating trans people in this song. The negative reviews are that in this song, he does use the F slur multiple times. And by multiple times, I mean, it's part of the chorus. So Hmm. it's not like that. It just naturally comes up in multiple verses. Like part of the recurring part of the song is him saying, the F slur three times in a row. Mm-hmm. And it's him trying to make a point about like how often people say it without realizing that it's a bad word. Mm-hmm. But I'm just kind of over like, oh, I'm an ally. So I'm going to say it to make a point about like that. it This word shouldn't have any power or that like people shouldn't say it or like, yeah. I don't know. I'm just kind of done with people who are like not of the experience yeah finding excuses to use those words those of us in the queer community i believe that anyone in the queer community can say that word some people think that only like men in the queer community can say that word Mm -hmm. um but like i do draw the line at like someone who's just straight up not queer yeah no so i agree with that criticism also he both dead names and misgenders both of the trans people Throughout the song. I and many other queer people are like, I don't know if we should be thankful for the scraps right now. Just because other people don't sing celebratory songs 
about the trans and queer experience doesn't mean that when one person does, we're like automatically supposed to like rejoice and love it. But yeah, it was giving very much Macklemore vibes where it was like, why are you centering yourself in this experience? Yeah. I mean, it's just not the moment. Yeah. I do understand that there is probably some positive is going to come out of the song in that there is entire communities of people that are not really exposed to, um, like positive perspectives on transness that Mm -hmm. are like his fans that this might change some of their opinions and how they feel. And I do appreciate that. So I'm not disregarding the song entirely and I'm not disregarding that it probably will have some positive impact, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that I think we have to like the song. Yeah. No. Um, so I would say that that's the fuck up of the week personally, but if anyone disagrees that, those elements of the song are a fuck up. I would love to hear your perspective because I don't think the song or the intention behind the song is the fuck up. I just think it's like, why would you include some like decidedly uncouth things in the song? Yeah. It doesn't make sense. Listener mistakes. We did get a really funny listener mistake. Great. From friend of the podcast, recent guest of the podcast, JP Maddox. Oh, amazing. Okay. Um, I accidentally just checked myself into a psych ward. I went to get a psych evaluation, but the referral wasn't for that. It was to be admitted, so police walked me through the hospital to the psych ward, where a nurse collected all of my belongings, at which I was like, yeah, sure, this makes sense. Probably some machinery is going to be used. (laughs) After I changed into a robe, they put me in the room with all the crazies playing games, dragging chairs around, laughing at shadows. (laughs) This is where I'm trying to second guess my choices. They eventually put me in a room with a bed and tell me I can wait here for the doctor who comes in and is like, what are you doing here? You seem lucid. Um... Apparently, they, so they go on to say, I guess my doctor pressed the wrong button. They had to call my doctor and get it cleared before I left. It was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and during our Patreon episode this week, Nika does express that she wishes for like, you know, a vacation admittance. <laughs> yeah. Not like to be fully admitted, no, but, but like I... just a few days in the psych ward just to, <laughs> <laughs> to take a load off. <laughs> and so I do think we found your route to doing that but that's the thing it's like i've watched girl interrupted and you don't get your own room yeah you don't get your you own room. roommate i'm like who would my roommate be that's the not like an escape from anything <laughs> that i'm just with someone in their problems <laughs> yeah true. precisely what i don't want to be around yeah i'm like can i go to a psych ward that has like one like a single room just for me uh, maybe it'll be an off day when i go <laughs> yeah you you check like you know how google will tell you like how busy a restaurant yeah. is <laughs> you, like check the best psych- time of day to check yourself yeah, into the psych you, ward you see like it says less busy than usual and you're like perfect time to go great 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 um i well what we landed on on the patreon app patreon.com slash best mistakes pod um <laughs> is that what you need is just like a vacation yeah so we can get you your own room in an airbnb <laughs> <laughs> that much is within the realm of possibility. If you want, like, I'll just bring some, like, coloring books <laughs> and, like, group activity. And those like, grip socks. Yeah, <laughs> grip socks, coloring books. I'll make you take off your shoelaces and belt. And I will have some, like, group therapy prompts for us to do just the two of us. Yeah, maybe. Um, I'll just, I'll, I'll head over to Wyckoff Heights again. It's almost my one-year anniversary. I'll see what they're up to. Maybe they'll let me in. 
So, this is a mistake that I'm convinced the gods are still punishing me for, um, and I don't know what, what repentance they need to release me from the curse that has been placed on me as a result of this mistake, but um, consider this my confession, and please let me know how many Hail Marys or Hail Cancers I need <laughs> to do to no longer be in the deep trenches of this curse. Um, so the mistake I'm going to talk about today is um, the cancer that I was seeing for a while in a long distance situationship over the pandemic. And by the pandemic that we're still in, I, I do mean 2020, the way we all do when we say the pandemic, mm-hmm. even though it's not over. Um, so... I met this person in 2019 at a festival that we were both performers on and we connected and it was really beautiful. They're really funny. They're super talented. We like made out all night on the last night of the festival and then like started texting all day, every day and talking on the phone when I went back to New York and they went back to the town or the city that they live in. And... We kind of just like developed this long distance romance that was like slow and steady at first. But then um, March 2020 happened and that's when we kind of fell into like talking and video chatting like every day and being kind of each other's like tether to any kind of feel good um, emotion someone could have during that like extremely horrible time in human history. Um, It was basically my friendship with you and my romance with this person Mm -hmm. that were like the things that kept me afloat. Um, And then, I mean, a mistake within the mistake is that um, I went to visit them during the summer of 2020. And even though I talked to my roommates about it beforehand um, and they were supportive of the idea, It ended up like causing a really big fight with my two roommates at the time and I because when I left and I went and visited this person, there was just kind of like all this like miscommunication and they like they were like, we didn't like we were supportive of the idea, but like we didn't know you were actually going until like you already bought the tickets and we wish we had like more of a say while this like virus is happening and that's all fair, but it was also just like, I don't know. I I both acknowledge that I made a mistake. It probably wasn't wise of me to like air travel during like summer 2020 when I wasn't like vaccinated yet. But I also um, the way that we all I think had like there was I I, I feel like there's a lot of um, it's like a cultural phenomenon we all experienced of like tensions running particularly high with whoever you were living with in 2020 Mm -hmm. and so I think it was a culmination of several things um and yes it was my mistake for not like getting an explicit go-ahead from them before flying to Chicago to see this person however I really needed it okay because both my roommates were seeing people who like live in New York City and they like were they had these like quarantine booze that they were spending all this time with and I was just like alone and video chatting with this person and like I just needed physical touch I'm sorry and that's my excuse for being the asshole of that situation 
Um, so I spent a weekend with this person and I think that's where their, their, their feelings for me got a lot more serious. And I think that's where my feelings, it's not that I stopped having feelings for them, but it's like, that's where our paths diverged Mm -hmm. where they were like, I think they thought that that visit kind of pushed us over into like, now we're just in a long distance relationship. Mm -hmm. And then I kind of got overwhelmed at like how much more serious their feelings were for me when I got home. I was like, Oh, like, I don't know, which is also me being an asshole. This is a mistake after all that I'm sharing with you all. Um, I was like, Oh, this is getting a lot more serious now. And like, I kind of liked what we were and maybe I shouldn't have visited this person if it was going to like, escalate it to a point where I don't really know if I have like the emotional bandwidth or like the ability to commit at the level that like would be the only like what would be fair if I were to truly reciprocate what this person is feeling for me Mm -hmm. um and I just was a really bad communicator about that and I like continued to I think I strung them along a little bit because I didn't know really how to communicate that I did like them but I just didn't really want to like I didn't have it in me to be in like a full-blown long-distance relationship and like what that would mean long term for us and like I just felt like an asshole because I was like if this is how I felt all along then I shouldn't have even let this go get to where it is at this point and um, I do really like care about this person And I did really like what we had. So I was like torn because I didn't want to end things. But I also was like, if I don't end things, it's just not fair to what their expectations now are. Um, And then they were super like sweet and considerate and like told me that they're like, well, I just really care about you. And like, I just don't want to like lose like the like friendship that we've had that we've had. So like, like whatever, whatever it is that like you want this to be I'm fine with that and um even with their really really considerate and communicative um efforts to like keep the train moving I still just like ghosted the train a little bit Mm -hmm. I didn't ghost them fully but I definitely like did not give them the proper conversation or explanation that Mm -hmm. they deserved and um as a result, it, it was kind of just like a fade out situation where there was never really any specific, ter- specific terms given. But like, you know, suddenly we were just like just friends mm-hmm. that like communicated every once in a while and not every single day. And like, I just feel like that was very hurtful and jarring for them. And I to this day feel really bad about it. Um, and I have since gotten my heart broken by two different cancers (laughs) so I definitely think that um there is a crab conspiracy happening to have me pay for my sins and I if and like one of these cancers even did kind of exactly the same thing to me Mm -hmm. like almost exactly the same thing yeah and that I did to this original cancer And I just want to say I get it now and I'm so sorry. And I have been thinking about a lot, thinking about it a lot, because while you took that like a champ, um, because if you felt anything like the way I'm feeling now, 
I deserved a lot more lip from you than I got. Yeah. And so um, thank you for your graciousness. But if you want to tear me a new one, I'm all ears and I deserve it. Well, thank you for um, being so self-aware and for that <laughs> deep dive. Um, I truly don't know how that relates to this week's mistake, um, but I'll try to figure it out after I talk about this week's mistake. But this week, we're talking about the Battle of Blair Mountain. Best mistake. And I think it's timely to talk about this because we're living in a current moment that is considered like an historic moment of um, labor unions and unions around um, the country having a uh, resurgent movement. Um, specifically since uh, Amazon and Starbucks unionizing so much across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Battle of Bear Mountain was the largest labor uprising in U.S. history. Um, it was also the largest armed uprising since the American Civil War. Um, this happened in 1921, and the conflict occurred in Logan County, West Virginia, as part of the Coal Wars. The Cold Wars were a series of early 20th century labor disputes in Appalachia, um, all over Appalachia. And the Cold Wars, um, this, this was the culmination of the Cold Wars, essentially. Um, during the Battle of Blair Mountain, up to 100 people were killed. Um, and it was a battle between um, the workers in West Virginia and um, both the... Many, like a whole cast of characters at play here, but between the coal miners and their families and labor organizers in West Virginia, um, and they also, on on the side of the labor, um, the labor organizers, they also had the mayor and a former police chief of um, this town in West Virginia on their side. Oh, wow. Um, and then on the other side, it was the U.S. government, um, like the presidential administration of the time, the labor union... Uh, the, the people who owned the miners themselves and then their own hired help who were the people that were mostly responsible for this massacre. Um, as a result of the Battle of Blair Mountain, the United Mine Workers temporarily saw declines in membership, um, but the long-term publicity led to improvements in membership and working conditions in the mines thereafter. Um, and so that is a little bit about it. Let me pull up this other article. <clears throat> so some history um to give this more of a backstory to show why this why it was able to get to this point um starts It starts with how the miners um, were treated after they started to unionize in the 1890s during the height of the Gilded Age, which is when the labor movement really was birthed in this country. Mm -hmm. Um, And as soon as they started, once they started unionizing, the um, company that owned these coal mines decided that they wouldn't hire anybody who worked They wouldn't hire anybody who was in the union. And so beginning in 1890, they started only hiring non-union coal miners. Um, But the... And firing uh, unionized coal miners. But the issue there, I mean, for many reasons, but the big thing was that miners often lived in company towns 
and would pay rent for company-owned shacks and then also buy groceries from the company-owned stores with what specifically was called Scrip. Um, and Scrip wasn't accepted as a U.S. currency. It was just a currency that was given to them by these coal mining companies, um, basically making them like serfs, like feudal serf indentured servants because they were making money that they couldn't spend in anywhere else outside of these towns. Um, and so for years, miners had organized through unions, including um, the Industrial Workers of the World, IWW, um, and the United Mine Workers of America, UMWA, um, leading to protests and strikes. And it kind of starts like a decade before the Battle of Blair Mountain, what sets all of this into motion. Um, is that nine years prior to the Battle of Blair Mountain, miners striking for greater union recognition clashed with armed Baldwin Felt agents. And the Baldwin Felt agents were the ones who worked for uh, these mining companies. Um, the, the Baldwin Felt agents hired literal mercenaries, which were employed by coal companies to put down rebellions and unionizing efforts. Um, and in 1914, they were responsible for a massacre that burned women and children alive in a mining camp cellar in Ludlow, Colorado. Um, they also drove families from their homes at gunpoint and dumped their belongings. And at one point, an armored train raced through a tent colony of the evicted miners and sprayed their tents with machine gun fire. Um, so, and this was all legal um, at this time. Yeah, not, nothing was being done by the U.S. government to stop any of this. So these people, these miners were just being massacred. Um, and nothing oh was and nothing was going on. Um, according to Chuck Keeney, who's a historian and a descendant of a key labor leader by the name of Frank Keeney, um, the miners, as they began to get ready to rebel, swore themselves to secrecy over who was leading them because they wanted to avoid legal retaliation. Um, and this means that there was um, no single... This meant that no single general led the minor army, um, although although they did think of themselves as an army and not just as peaceful protesters, which I think is interesting um, that these union organizers um, and just coal miners were adamant about the fact that none, nothing about this was peaceful, and mm -hmm. they knew that nothing about it could be peaceful. Um Keeney goes on to say that they were rebelling against the mine guard system, but they were also avenging the death of their friend. I'll talk about who that friend was in just a second. Um, and Keeney also argues that while the miners may have been a ragtag group full of secrets, they were still extremely well organized. Um, and other historians who've recorded the history of this region of uh, West Virginia or this part of West Virginia and these uprisings agree with this. Um, and they go on, um, this historian goes on to say that um, in, uh, in Thunder in the Mountains, which is a thoroughly reported historical account of the battle, um, there is, they, they describe them as being a testy, oppressed, and angry group of laborers who were rearing up for, for this uh, battle to happen. Um, so let me go up. So the friend that they're talking about is Polifchi Sid Hatfield, who was a friend of the friend of the miners in Madawan, West Virginia? Um, he was described as being someone who, rather than arresting the miners when they got drunk and rowdy, would walk them home. Um, and for his allegiance to the unionized miners of southwestern West Virginia, 
rather than the nearby coal companies who employed them. Hatfield was gunned down at City Hall, um, or sorry, on the steps of the courthouse in Welch, West Virginia, on August 1st, 1921, alongside his friend Ed Chambers, um, as both of their wives looked on in horror. And their both of their murders catalyzed a movement, um, which, again, was the largest uprising in history that remains resonant to this day. Um and that is what led to the Battle of Bear Mountain. Um, he was there to testify um, about his involvement in a um, uprising that had happened two years prior that had not been nearly as catastrophic um, because that was when he decided. At that point, two years prior, he was still the actual um, police chief, but because of his involvement was fired by the city. Um, or by the town, rather, and that's when he decided he was going to become an organizer with his friends. Um, and All right, so AA cab. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost all cops are bastards. Almost. <laughs> um, and so... Just kidding. If anyone's listening to this, <laughs> I'm still radical. Okay. Yeah, Continue. we don't We don't agree. Fuck this guy, but like maybe this one thing was kind of cool. I don't know. Um. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you know, it seems like it was. He, you know, other than being a cop. Um, <laughs> which is a pretty big thing. Which is a pretty but, big thing. you know, different time. Yeah, it was 1921. Um, so now we get to the actual battle. Um, so the Battle of Blair Mountain. Let me pull up my letters here. Battle of Blair Mountain happened between August 25th and September 2nd, 1921 in, once again, Logan County, West Virginia. Um, and let's see. <clears throat> it saw 10,000 West Virginia coal miners march in protest of these perilous work conditions, squalid housing, and low wages, among obvious other grievances. Um, and they set out from the small hamlet of Marmot, West Virginia, and their goal was to advance upon Mingo County, which was kind of HQ of these labor companies. Um, it was a few days travel away to meet the coal companies on their own turf and demand demand redress. Um, these 10,000 coal miners never reached their goal. Um, they instead faced opposition from deputized townspeople and business people who opposed their union organizing. And more importantly, from local and federal law enforcement that brutally shut down the burgeoning movement. Um, the opposing sides ended up clashing near Blair Mountain, which is a 2,000-foot peak in southwestern Logan County, um, giving the battle its name. So the miners never ended up making it past the mountain, and while experts don't have a definitive death toll, they say that about 16 miners died in the fighting, um, but way more, and they don't have this counted, way more were displaced by evictions and violence that happened both before and after the fact as retaliation from the coal mining companies. Um, but despite the seemingly low death toll, the Battle of Blair Mountain still looms large in the minds of many of today's current Appalachian activists and organizers um, as a time when working class and impoverished Americans came together to fight for their rights. Um, for some advocating for labor rights today, the battle is also a reminder of what poor Appalachians are capable of, which I find very inspiring. Um, and let's see. Mm-mm. 
So the two days, the two sides fought for days, um, shooting stray bullets back and forth in mountain passes on the march to Mingo. Um, gunfire was exchanged throughout the march and in wood shelter, sheltered areas, um, and made this it made it difficult to ascertain once again how many men were shot or injured at any given time. Um, and before and during Blair Mountain, um, Logan County Sheriff Don Chafin ruled the region and was one of the people who decided that he was going to side with the local coal operators. Uh, but he was hoping to put down the rebellion and restore order in his jurisdiction. So he went on to help organize a raid on the town of Sharples on August 27th during this battle, uh, which was when around 70 police officers fired at opposing miners. During this uh, conflict, two miners were killed But as people ran from town to town, the rumored death toll grew like a big fish story. Uh, Savage, who is a a historian, has gone on to write that miners told each other bodies were stacked up after the raid. Later in the skirmishes, with the help of deputized town people, Chaffin dropped homemade pipe bombs on the marchers. Um, According to the historian that I referenced earlier by the last name of Keeney, the Miners' Doomsday Mission was the closest thing to a class war our country has ever seen. And on September 2nd, 1921, President Warren G. Harding heeded West Virginia lawmakers' request for federal troops. Their presence then persuaded the miners to throw down their guns and surrender, as many were veterans themselves and felt that um, found it hard to fight against their own government. Uh, because they felt that they were just fighting against greedy corporations up until this point. Um, they sought to wage war not against the United States, but against coal operators. And Keeney says it's not clear. Well, not, yeah. not any different, anyway, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Keeney says that it's not clear what would have happened had the miners continued, but anything is possible. He says if they had continued to fight, they would have broken through, probably, says Keeney who went on to write a book about the labor uprising called Road to Blair Mountain. Um, In an alternative history, a minor coalition could have overwhelmed the local police force and coal-employed fighters to push forward on the march to Mingo. There, they might have lifted lifted martial law, free-jailed coal miners, and made good on a popular miner's tune by the name of We'll Hang Don Chaffin from a Sour Apple Tree. Um, so after Blair Mountain, there were some small victory, <clears throat> small victories and bigger losses that would change the landscape of union organizing. Labor leaders, including Keeney's ancestor, Frank Keeney, were cleared of charges related to the insurrection. Other miners were freed from jail as well because, as Savage wrote, coal attorneys were discouraged and dismissed and went on to dismiss indictments. Juries in West Virginia counties often sided with miners instead of coal companies. Um, and so that was one of the good things, but one of the bad things that came out of this was that membership in the United Mine Workers of America plummeted, uh, continued strikes cost the UMWA millions and made little headway toward their goal of changing coal company policies. Uh, membership peaked around 1920 with 50,000 members, but fell to just 600 in 1929. It would later rise and fall again, following a roller coaster of peaks and declines throughout the 20th century. Um, but despite the ultimate surrender, one of the many bits of Blair Mountain history that continues to stick out is the diversity of the miners' army. In 1921, coal company towns were segregated, and Brown versus Board of Education was decades away. However, Wilma Steele, who is a board member of the West Virginia Mine Wars, or is a, a board member 
of the West Virginia Mine Wars Museum says that Matawan was one of the only towns in the United, in the United States where black and white children, most commonly Polish, Hungarian, and Italian immigrants, went to school together. Other miners were white Appalachian hill folk. Most of all were kept apart in order to prevent organization and unionization, but it didn't work. Keeney goes on to recall one incident during the mine wars um, where black and white miners held cafeteria workers at gunpoint until they were all served food in the same room and refused to be separated from meals. We don't want to exaggerate it and act like they were holding hands around the campfire. But at the same time, this is a quote from Keeney, but at the same time, they all understood that if they did not work together, they couldn't be effective. The only way to shut down the mines was to make sure everyone participated. Um, and yeah, and that, um, I want to see what year this was written. Um, let's see. So this article was written in uh, 20, last year in 2021. It was written um, to mark the 100-year anniversary um, of the Battle of Blair Mountain. Um, and let's see. Um, a historian at the um, at a the Mine Wars Museum um, in in the same county that the battle happened. Um, goes on to say in this article that new labor and justice conflicts are emerging in West Virginia and throughout the nation. Um, and Blair Mountain teaches us that we have to stand together if we're going to win. The miners took great risks and banded together collectively, overcoming barriers of race and ethnicity to shine a light on these dramatic examples of exploitation. Um, and it says, if Uncle Sam... Uh, oh, wait, sorry. That's not what they say. That was someone else. Um, oh, goes on to say that Appalachians today find inspiration in that attitude um, of the of the organizers and of the organizing of the 1920s. Um, and there is still very much um, the same battles being faced by, which is crazy to think that we still have coal miners, but yeah. today's coal miners are still facing similar battles, um, though the specific injustices and in locations have changed, kind of. Um, Wes Addington, who's the executive director of the Appalachian Citizens Law Center, um, who has um, in the last few years been taking on black lung disease cases, says the spread of the illness has gotten worse in recent decades as miners are exposed to higher levels of rock silica. Um, And goes on to say that it's an exhausting process to watch someone you care a lot about slowly die from a disease that causes you to have a little less breath every day. And the next day is a little worse. Um, and goes on to continue to explain that as of 2020 to 2022, this current moment, this is um, kind of like a more direct parallel to the struggles of the Blair Mountain marchers of the 1900s and 1920s, um, and that miners today are still facing massive pay cuts. They're still facing um, issues with union organizing, and they're still facing exploitative and um, just downright horrible working conditions. Um, and yeah, unfortunately, you know, not much has changed since the Battle of Blair Mountain, but things are changing every day. Um, and that is the story of the Battle of Blair Mountain. Um, I've, I, I've thought of a way that it relates. But do you have any way that you've thought of? No, how does it relate? Um, I'm the coal mines and the cancers are unionizing against me. Okay, amazing. <laughs> 
that's how it relates to my mistake. I love that. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Moral of the story. Moral of the story. Moral of the story, as always, is that capitalism is evil. And if it weren't for, like, the greed that money creates, um, we probably wouldn't be as fickle with human life for product, I think. I agree. Um, And it's just, like, continually disappointing how disposable human lives really are for the bottom line. Yeah. Yeah. And that this, you know, the government is just a giant corporation. Yeah. And we like see extreme examples like this and like, like, oh my gosh, like literally killing people over it. And if not directly killing them, letting the diseases and harsh working conditions kill them slowly over time. Mm. Um, Like, we might think that that's an extreme version of seeing human life as disposable for the, like, sake of making money. But really, like, if if left unchecked, pretty much every company is like that. Yeah. They just might not have as dangerous of a product that they're working with. But, like... If they did, they, they like, still wouldn't care. And, like, they still treat our time yeah and our well-being just as disposably yeah like starbucks for example being what is currently in the headlines it's like yeah starbucks employees don't get black lung but if they did i get i guarantee you starbucks would give just as much of a shit about it yeah <laughs> like yeah and then yeah the government is not um on the humans side they're always going to be on the like corporations side absolutely um, and I also think that like kind of a, not so much a moral of the story, but a product of the story is the government has very successfully rebranded workers' rights um, politics as like an extreme left wing like pursuit. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people who maybe identify more as like conservatives that are in like jobs that would benefit from unionizing that I think see unionizing now as like some like sissy liberal shit. Yeah. And like, it's just like, I don't know. The government is very good at doing that kind of shit where they like rebrand certain things or like deflect our attention elsewhere from the thing that's actually hurting us Yeah, to keep us from successfully fighting against that thing Mm -hmm. and even incentivize us against fighting against it by saying that it would mean something about our identity as a person. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, by being like, it's the immigrants that are taking your jobs and that's why your life sucks and not because the jobs in question make your life suck. Yeah. Like we have people, we have people hoping that coal mines don't close because they want the job. Rather than fighting for the human right to not need that work to survive. Yep. You know? Yep. So people are literally like, they are grateful for this job that will kill them simply because it is a job. Yeah. And like, it's just, you know, I understand, I understand it because that is like the, in this system, that is the thing that is the means to the end of like paying your bills and surviving but the survival being contingent on that thing is the actual problem yeah in my opinion i agree 
So we have people like Joe Biden promising that he won't end coal coal energy in his presidential campaign yep. so that people will like so people feel comforted that their jobs are safe yeah, when or- really the job itself shouldn't like shouldn't exist. Yep. And we should just make sure those people survive regardless of if that job is there or not. Yeah. Well, that can't happen because Steve Manchin is literally a coal miner or a coal baron's son. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's the problem. I mean, there's lots of problems. Imagine if that were the only problem. <laughs> wow, we'd really probably knock that out of the park quick. But that's where they get you. Our, our attention is uh, split between many problems. Yeah, I feel like the other role of the story is that armed resistance is the only thing that ever um, is going to yep. cause any kind of positive outcome for the people. And that peaceful protests are bullshit. In yeah. my opinion, I don't believe in peaceful protesting. It just doesn't do anything. Well, and, I would believe in it if they were ever peaceful to fucking well, yeah, that's us, I mean. but they're yeah. not. So like being the bigger people is not going to get us anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, us saying that is going to get us put us on a watch list. So, that's, we're already on one. You know? <laughs> Summer 2020 definitely put us on a watch list. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not turn off location services on my phone. No, neither did I. <laughs> During those protests. Yeah. Um. But yeah, agree. Yeah. And um, moral of the story is we can't stop fighting because... We can't stop and we won't stop. And we won't stop. Moral of the story is... um, Moral of the story is that Miley Cyrus wrote, we can't stop about this. (laughs) Yeah. Moral of the story is that Miley Cyrus needs to go on fucking tour sooner rather than later absolutely i am done tap 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 in my foot waiting around for that and girl maybe do like a low like do like a concert somewhere in appalachia i'd love to go see you in like west virginia i mean the people would love that too she is an appalachian girl after all yeah I oh mean, my god same. we are too miley do a concert at dollywood the oh, day that we go there this fall that would be That's, amazing <laughs> that is uh, the moral of the story the moral of the story um yeah, I mean, even Dollywood, which is kind of an ode to, like, Appalachian culture, has that fucking, like, coal-run train that yeah. goes around it in, like, celebration of, yeah, like, the coal really mining strange. history. And it's just, like, this is something that's, like, killing everybody. Yeah, that's cuckoo. Yeah. I mean, I know, like, obviously she's she's not celebrating that aspect of it. It's more, like, I think celebrating the harder parts of living in a certain place and like yeah, 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 something yeah, yeah. that people face together as a culture yeah, yeah. is more what that is an ode to yeah. um and kind of an ode to like the grit of the people from that area yeah however it is kind of dark-sided a little bit to watch the like dirty dirty smoke come out of that train and know that we're just like breathing it in all day at, to like celebrate a kind of fucked up part of the history of that place yeah and of the contemporary history also um my sources were an article from smithsonian mag called what made the battle of blair mountain the largest labor uprising in american history by abby lee hood and then the blair mountain wikipedia page well thank you for taking us on that journey yeah thank you um and fuck coal mines fuck coal mines and the american government uh yeah Put me, that that list. Put me on that list. Put me on the. <laughs> I'm on the list. <laughs> That's what I'm going to start saying about being on the government watch list. Anytime I'm in a government-run agency, I'll be like, um, I'm on the list. <laughs> yeah, put us on that list. Um, and while you're putting us on that list, subscribe to our Patreon. Subscribe to our Patreon. 
Write us a review. review. Write us your mistakes at bestmistakespod at gmail.com. And um, then um, test your holes. Test your drugs. And kiss your kiss friends. Kiss your friends on, on the, the mouth. mouth. Uh, Maybe kiss your friends like on the front lines, you know? Yeah.